0: You're now listening to Vices and Vultures, a podcast on cultures. Welcome back to the unpacked segment of Vices and Vultures, where we share from our collection of solo interviews done by the co-hosts. I'm thankful to have always wanted to seek out people who represent different cultures and ideas. As a biracial, that's been the driving force to my life. Here's another conversation with who I'd like to call my pianist in crime. Elliot Mosley is a great friend from undergrad who I wanted to have on this podcast, specifically to discuss UK culture. Thankful for this opportunity to also shine lights on any misconceptions that one may have about the English, for I often find that what we know about a particular group of people may not accurately reflect the truth. So here it is. Me and my mate will have a little chat now
1: my name is Elliot. I am originally from the UK, grew up near London and moved to the US about 10 years ago with my family. My dad did his master's degree in a university in Michigan. And then once he graduated, uh, he got a job in Nebraska. So Lincoln, Nebraska is where he got his job. That's why I ended up going to Union.
0: Talk to me about the transition from UK to um, the States, specifically you as a person, I I know that a lot of it had to deal with the fact that your guys were following your dad's career path. But like, uh, let's talk about like you specifically in terms of like your transition. How was that for you? Do you like it here? Do you miss it? There's it the other way around? Talk to me about
1: that. It's interesting you ask, because I was just having a conversation with somebody about that today.
0: Oh, yeah, nice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, when when we all moved over originally for my dad to do his degree, we, our plan was to go back home to England once he was done. And, you know, he was going to look for work back there. And we were going to just kind of be out in the States as a temporary thing. And then of course, once he graduated, um, we ended up staying, but so those three years when I lived in Michigan, I kind of didn't really, it it didn't really feel like, you know, I necessarily needed to make a huge adjustment because I was like, well, I don't want to get too settled because we're going to be moving back
0: right and you know i
1: made some good friends while i was there and and enjoyed living there you know it was a good place to be for for that period of time but yeah it didn't really like it didn't really seem like a real thing like i was living in the u.s until i kind of realized we were going to be staying around for a bit longer
0: right and then you got married
1: (laughs) and yeah i mean that that kind of came a a few years later than that but still Mm -hmm. um you know, I I just think the, the the biggest adjustment was just having to kind of start life all over again, you know, I had friends at school, and I had family members that lived in England. And you know, I was kind of going through the schooling system in England, and then kind of got uprooted and had to figure out, well, just kind of start back from square one again, you know, like, how do we how who am I in relation to this country now? It's like I'm, I'm have to be a don't have to be, but I kind of felt like I had to assimilate somewhat once I realized, you know, I was gonna be around for a while. Right. That I had to I kind of try and make it feel like home. And I have I really have enjoyed the experience. I mean I think it's been a really great experience. I feel like I've grown a lot as a person. I don't think I'd be the same person I am if I hadn't have been right those experiences i just I, yeah i just think the biggest adjustment has been and still to an extent still it's just redefining where is home you know just having to restart i mean i think to an extent it it's inconvenient but also it's great for like i said for personal growth and just figuring out you know who i am and what i'm what my purpose is i guess you know and kind of accepting that, you know, I, I don't have control over circumstances, but I have control over myself and my actions. And mm-hmm. that, you know, that I can choose to do or be whatever it is I want to do, I guess.
0: Right, I feel you. Um, so,
1: you know, the process of restarting and kind of having to go back to square one and thinking, okay, right now, what are we going to do? Where are okay. we going to so, how am I going to handle this situation? That's definitely
0: tough. <laughs> right, I see. Um, so, so with that, I think um, one of the one of the most like things, like one of the most interesting things that I've heard you say already was the fact that you wouldn't be the same person, or like you wouldn't be like as developed of an, of a man and an individual had you not made this move. So, of course, you know, when you're ten years old. Or like you moved when you were 15, 15. Okay. That's pretty pivotal because by then, like you've already kind of like had picked out like your formative interests, at least like with like hobbies and things like that, as opposed to like eight years old, where, you know, your world is completely different. For the people who don't know about the culture in the UK, first of all, where in the UK and what about the culture in the UK? Like do you still miss and you don't see here in the US? It's
1: difficult to pinpoint specifics. It's very subtle. I don't know. I I don't know how to say it without sounding like pretentious, but I feel like in general, people in the UK tend to be a bit more polite, whatever their motivation is, whether it's passive aggressive politeness or just genuine politeness. Well, and also I kind of feel a constant need to apologize for things. And I think that sort of freaks people out sometimes because they, you know, like, well, why are you you sorry for? I don't don't know. It's just ingrained in me to say sorry to people, even if it's not my fault.
0: (laughs) So do you also feel that even though you might be very apologetic, do you feel that Americans are very unapologetic?
1: (laughs) This is going to sound silly, but I think people in America only apologize when they need to. Uh Versus me, I just, you know, I'll be, I'll, someone else will be in my way and they'll have, and I'll have to, you know, they'll be the ones that move out of their way, but I'm still apologizing, even though I did nothing wrong, you know, it's like, right i I'm sorry, I was there to be an inconvenience to you, I think one thing, especially when I first moved over here, that really caught me off guard was how obsessed people can be with an accent and a way of talking. yeah that just really sort of threw me off a bit. I was like you know it was like these people some some people would come up to me and go, "Oh my gosh, I love your accent, say this, say that, just keep talking. I could listen to you, talk all day, that kind of stuff, and I was thinking why why <laughs> what's so exciting about it i mean it's just a way of speaking i you know i, I don't hear people going that crazy over you know regional accents in the us right it, you know it's almost as if these people have never met or heard anyone that doesn't talk like them that some of the reactions you get
0: mhm i think it's yeah. i think part of it is also like uh and the fact that some of these, some of these very people like haven't been able to experience culture outside of hearing people speak.
1: Well, and you know, I think partly, I was spoiled because I grew up in a very diverse and multicultural environment from a young age, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I was around people from all different countries, all different ethnic backgrounds. And you know, I, you know, I had kids in my class that were from everywhere. I mean, I was like one of the only few white kids in my class. Mm-hmm. so me somebody from a different country or a different ethnicity or with a different accent that it it's not really it, it's just part of my world that's how that's how i see the world but then i guess there's some especially you know like in rural places in this country where you know it is predominantly white it's predominantly like farming communities or agricultural it, it's understandable when you look at it from the through that lens i guess it's understandable why Mm-hmm. Having having somebody from another country would seem strange because there's not many people from other countries that come through those kind of places, you
0: know? Right. Yeah. but well, I think it's great that you were able to have that perspective. I
1: am and always have been pretty obsessed with soccer. I follow it a lot, especially the Premier League back home in England. My team is Chelsea. They have had some success for those that don't know, they've had some success recently, but it's been very much up and down the last maybe three to four years. There's been seasons where they'll do really well and they'll win a bunch of stuff. And then there's been seasons where they haven't done so well and sometimes anything. So it's been, it's been an experience following them for the past few years, but I think overall most, mostly Hive. I mean, they won the league twice and and since I guess since two thousand ten they've won it maybe three times. I should know this. This is making me sound like a bad fan. My brother and I have been doing our predictions each week for what we think the scores are gonna be in all the games and kind of keeping points on who gets the most correct, that kind of thing. And right. Of course two thousand eighteen is World Cup year. So I'm getting pretty pumped for that right now.
0: Okay. It's so are they so is, is Chelsea qualified for it or how does it yeah. work?
1: It, the way that works is it's countries that that qualify. So right. um, England as a country has qualified. Sadly, the US as a country has not. They they <laughs> missed out on it in um, kind of embarrassing circumstances. So right. um, I don't. I won't go into the details on that one. But yeah, England did qualify. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. But England are consistently disappointing us all with how terrible they do at World Cups. So. My hopes for them aren't high, but just as a whole, I just love watching the World Cup and right. see, seeing the world's best on the biggest stage.
0: It's a very unifying, like, it's a very unifying sport in the sense that, you know, you have, it's like the only sport, sport that involves the world. You're right. You're the, you
1: know, there's, there's something that people from all sorts of cultures and countries and backgrounds can appreciate. And, you know, the World Cup as well, that brings people that wouldn't normally watch it that brings people in Mm -hmm. because it's just such a global phenomenon. I mean, it's, it's huge.
0: (laughs) What are like one to three things that we haven't talked about that you wish people understood about like London in the UK?
1: One common misconception about the UK is people don't seem to understand what it is. They don't understand whether the UK is a country, whether England is a country, where where does Scotland fit in? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I'm going to just set the record straight and anyone listening has no excuse to not know after this. <laughs> England is its own country. It's a it's a country that is within the UK. Then we have Wales and Scotland. They are also separate countries. Um and then also the the so the then there's the Republic of Ireland which is um not part of the UK. Mm. Republic of Ireland is its own thing, but Northern Ireland, I believe, is part of the UK as well. So that And that's its own country too, that's a separate country. So really you have these four countries, England, which is the biggest one, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, they're all separate countries, but they all make up the United Kingdom or the UK. So, so I... It's all historical, I don't really understand the background, but
0: right yeah because i was about to ask like why why is ireland in two factions and one of them is not in the uk like i don't understand that
1: but so that's that, that's a historical civil war type
0: oh, okay agreement.
1: they there was a split and um probably of ireland went their own way they wanted to be separate and um northern ireland stuck around with the rest of the uk okay all right I'm not the expert on that. I I don't know all the details, so I don't want to say anything that's wrong.
0: (laughs) Right. But geographically, you're trying to set the record clear so people know.
1: But geographically, the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland are separate countries. Okay.
0: All right. That's very good to know. Um,
1: Um, Let me think. I'm just trying to think of another example. Um, I mean, something about London, I think a lot of people just think of London as you know big ben or buckingham palace or the london eye or whatever but there's there's so much more to it than than just those things you know got lots of great parks and great restaurants great historical buildings and um just lots of culture very diverse place right So going on like local markets are really interesting to go see
0: let's talk about culture for a moment i'm curious because geographically you will find different things in different areas and as you said like you grew up in a very multicultural setting what are a few things like in in the uk like or in london specifically because you grew up in london and uh born and raised i'm assuming and like what are there what are are some things in london that is known for culturally
1: I don't know. I mean, I mean, I personally love the fact that it is so culturally diverse. I mean, you have people from all over, that, and that just kind of makes up okay. what it is. I mean, you, anything and everything is kind of there. <laughs> okay. Um, but you know, lifestyle. I mean, a lot of a lot of people that will live in close to the center of London is usually going to be business people. I mean, there's a lot of corporate headquarters not just for the uk but for europe or even the world in london and so there's you know properties are expensive and there's a lot of big businesses and business people but then you also have the other end of the scale where there's a lot of you know working class type situations or you know a bit more older rundown council housing they call it and there's not necessarily i mean as far as i'm aware in london there's not necessarily a middle ground you have to kind of go to the suburbs of london to find that okay Um, so you know that's that's a big part of the the lifestyle i suppose or the, the culture soccer is a big part of london culture and you know there's a lot of pride in your local team um you know, people will follow their teams religiously and there will definitely be disputes over um, local, you know, games between teams that are kind of close to each other. Um, Sometimes they can get a bit feisty, but that's the way it is with sports in general, I think.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, and I think just, you know, sports overall in London is big, you know, there's lots of opportunities for athletics and um you know of course we hosted the olympics a few years back and that just really like ups the interest in sports and athletics in general um you know there's rowing kind of, kind of close to the river so people can row there's facilities for swimming tennis I and mean, then we have wimbledon which is one of the big tennis tournaments right. on the on every year during the season um yeah i mean it's just you know we have wembley stadium which is a great stadium for soccer and they also have hosted nfl games in the past few years too Um, of course in the last couple of years we've had brexit happen which was a vote for britain to leave the european union just kind of like a governing body of countries in Europe, so, uh, not not every country in Europe decided to be a part of that, but um, Britain has been a part of it since I think the 1970s until 2016, there was a vote and um, people voted to leave the European Union. So a lot of that was, um, I mean, not, not all of it, but a lot of it was kind of based on sort of immigration Rhetoric, I guess you could say. You know, kind of. We and it's, it's a lot of the same discussions that seem to be going on over here in the US.
0: What is the difference? And I've asked you this before, but like, I really, I think people might be wondering about this. What is the difference between UK accent and an Australian accent and a South African accent and any accent that has like that kind of, you know, the like. I can't think of the word but like can you can you like explain that for the people that are listening like well, how do you differentiate
1: so all i'm going to say is if you listen to them side by side you'll tell them, you'll be able to tell the difference
0: but what if you don't have friends that like all speak those different like types um well it's 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 the
1: pronunciation of certain words like if you if you listen out, I, I, I'm struggling to think of like specific examples right now. But but if you hear certain words said in a certain way that, you know, that's how you can tell. I mean, to me, I don't think they sound that alike.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Vices and Vultures and considering being a supporter of this project. Even leaving a review on your preferred podcast platform goes a long way for us. There is more information about this episode as well as who we are in the show notes. This includes all of our social media links so you can see us and not just hear us. Vices and Vultures is brought to you by Aesthetic and is based in the great state of New York. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for more episodes and tune in next time to Vices and Vultures.